I found a seat too today. I was like, I just feel like sitting. That's what I'm going to do. Because I can. It's teacher days like that, yeah. Yeah, just feel like it. You all are sitting, so why should I be sitting? So, yeah. I think so, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, it's good to be together again in person. Thanks for being flexible last week. It was a little too cold. Just a little too cold. So, yeah. This morning we're going to continue our journey through the book of Matthew. Um, and I think we've kind of made this apparent, but we are, as a part of our shared language and practice, going to continue weaving in different theological perspectives, if you will, or lenses, um, like that of queer theology, right? Which really helps us understand our life of faith embodied, right? So there are these different lenses, and we're going to continue to use a variety of them. Okay. We're also going to be utilizing the First Nations version without my post in it. The First Nations version. I think most of you have a copy. If you don't have a copy in your household, grab one from the side over there. I want to encourage you to bring it with you. People bring Bibles to church services. How funny is that? Um, <laughs> feels real old school, doesn't it? Because um, this is not available online, I don't think, unless you have a, I don't even know if they have a Kindle version. Someone will have to tell me. They do. All right, so if you have a Kindle version, good job. Um, so anyway, bring it with you, or you can just listen. Um, but if you don't have one in your household, please grab one. We would like you to have one. Um, also, so uh, leading up to this season of Lent, we'll be focusing on who Jesus is as wisdom as teacher, and how his teachings inform our identity and the rhythms of our lives, okay? And then during Lent, we will wrestle with the shadows and become familiar with discomfort through grief, lament, struggle, making meaning through storytelling, all of those things, okay? So last week, we looked at the genealogy of Jesus, and bless her heart for going through all those names, Brittany. Um, they were terrible, but she did great. Um, we looked at the genealogy last week, and at the wisdom of those who sought Jesus, of course, like the Magi. Some weeks, we are going to take pretty big leaps in the text. So as Brittany mentioned, we want to encourage you to read in between if you will, and you should be able to see the schedule posted online under the sermon series page, okay? We actually took one of those big leaps this last week, so I'm gonna just bring us up to speed for a second as to what happened between Jesus's birth and the Magi visiting and where we're at today, because we're going to jump forward quite a bit, okay? So after the birth of Jesus, the Magi returned to their homeland by a different road than what they came on because they wanted to avoid Herod, okay? And they did not go back to see him. Then the Spirit of God speaks to Joseph in a dream, warning him of Herod, who, of course, is looking for Jesus and would like to kill him. So Joseph, Mary, and Jesus end up fleeing to Egypt. Before Herod's death, he ordered all male children in Bethlehem under the age of two to be killed. And then upon Herod's death, Joseph receives word again through a dream to return to Israel. This time, they journey to Nazareth via a roundabout way uh, through Galilee because they wanted to escape potential harm by Herod's son, Archelaus. Okay? And then a bunch of time passes. 
like 30 years almost, right? Which is always a little odd, right? Like, why is there nothing about Jesus as a child really in the Gospels other than like that one story I think that maybe sticks out in our minds of like the parents were looking for Jesus and he's in the synagogue, which is like the last place you would think to look for a child, right? Um, that's like all we get, right? And so part of me is like, why is that? And then I remember, oh yes, children also weren't valued, right? For quite some time throughout the centuries. And so we don't have a lot about Jesus's childhood. However, I did wonder this week what we might learn about God if we had more about Jesus as a child. And so maybe this week, think about that as you run into other children, um, whether they're in your household, in this space, <laughs> just in life, and, and maybe pay attention. What can we learn um, about God through, through children? Anyway, fast forwarding, Jesus, um, along with many, many others, have been prepared by and heard the teachings of John the Baptist. Um, they had been baptized and witnessed, if you will, the panic, right, of the spiritual leaders of the day. Jesus has had his own wilderness experience by this point, where he was tempted by the evil trickster, as the First Nations version says. Um, and John the Baptist is jailed and eventually killed. Jesus has gathered disciples, gaining followers as he has been traveling, teaching in all the gathering houses, healing the sick, and really gaining a reputation for sharing and embodying wisdom that would ultimately get him into trouble with the spiritual leaders. And then we arrive at our text for today, which is uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Of course, this section of the story is part of the Sermon on the Mount, um, and it comes right after the Beatitudes, or what the First Nations version calls the blessings of the good road, in which wisdom is shared that pushes us to think not in binary, but in patterns and rhythms that we've been accustomed to, right? Not in these binary patterns, but to hold kind of the both and, okay? Jesus had been sharing wisdom, teaching the people how to see Creator's good road, and he begins to make clear that we can't see the good road through the patterns and rhythms that we're used to, okay? I want to draw our attention, before I actually read our text for today, I want to draw our attention to verse 2 of chapter 5. And as the people gathered on the, on the mountainside to hear him teach, it says, he took a deep breath, opened his mouth, and began to share his wisdom with them and teach them how to see creator's good road. Jesus not only shares wisdom, but he embodies wisdom. And I'd like this to be kind of the frame, if you will, for our way forward as well preparing us for wisdom, because this is what wisdom does. We take a deep breath, and then, okay? So he then continues with his famous salt and light section, which is our text for today, and I want to invite us to hear these words as encouragement or as good news, because I imagine that those who were the first hearers of these words, they may have been doubting or misunderstanding their part on the good road, okay? They may have needed to hear these words as wisdom saying to them, this is your identity, who you are and are becoming, okay? So as I read the text, you are welcome to follow along if you've got it in front of you, or you can just listen and hear these words afresh um, since it's from the First Nations Version. And then afterwards, I'm going to share a, a, just a few brief exegetical 
points, and then we're going to engage in conversation, as I already warned you. Um, if you would like to use the supplies now, though, that are in front of you to capture any words or phrases or to help you reflect or just to hold some attention or put other things out of your mind, feel free to do that. It's not going not gonna to disrupt anything or bother me at all, okay? So feel free to do that. All right, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. As you walk the good road with me, you are the salt of the earth, bringing cleansing and healing to all. Salt is a good thing, but if it loses its saltiness, how will it get its flavor back? That kind of salt has no worth and is thrown out. As you walk the road with me, you are a light shining in this dark world. A village built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one hides a torch under a basket. Instead, it is lifted up high on a pole so all who are in the house can see it. In the same way, let your light shine by doing what is good and right. When others see, they will give honor to your Father, the one above us all. When you hear my words, you may think I have come to undo the law given by, drawn from the water, who is Moses, and the words of the prophets. But I have come to honor them and show everyone their true meaning. I speak from my heart. As long as there is a sky above and an earth below, not even the smallest thing they have said will fade away until everything they have said has found its full meaning and purpose. Anyone who turns away from these instructions and tells others to do the same will be looked down on as a small one on Creator's good road from the spirit world above. But the ones who do them and teach others to do the same, they will be looked up to as great ones. I will say this to you, unless you have a better reputation than the scroll keepers and the separated ones who are the Pharisees, you will not find the path that leads to the land of Creator's good road from above. Creator sets free who is Jesus then began to help the people see how the full meaning and purpose of the law and of the prophets applied to them. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so just a few comments here. First of all, we have salt, right? Verse 13. And when I first read this, I got a little hung up on the whole bit about bringing cleansing and healing to all. Um, and then I was reminded of the old remedy for a sore throat, right? The gargle in the salt water. It's the first thing I think about, right, if I've got a sore throat. Sure, salt has many, many purposes, and there are various ways in which salt might be interpreted here, but the ones that are most clear um, in this text relate to food and to land. Of course, salt is used to preserve food, right? Or to clean those traditional offerings that were made to God. Salt is also used to fertilize, right, the land. Salt leads to growth and to life. It is a necessary ingredient. So if we are salt then we, too, are agents that preserve the good road here and now, preparing fertile ground with wisdom and grace as an offering to God, an offering by way of participation with God that honors what God is doing in the world. So let us not forget this. Verse 14 talks about light, and I want to actually turn back 
to chapter 4, verse 16, which says this, The ones who sit in darkness, where death casts a great shadow, have seen the light of a new sunrise. I appreciate what Shannon Dykus in her book, uh, Holy in the Night, says about new sunrises, because sunrises are kind of those liminal spaces of, of both and or the already not yet. She says this, The edge where darkness and light meet slowly rises as a new day is revealed. In the same way, the entry of light into our lives is slow and staggered, miraculous and ordinary, beautiful and jarring. Yet the night is not forgotten or null as we bring its wisdom into the dawn of a new day. So light reminds us of new opportunities to experience life in the very moment that we find ourselves in and in the moments to come, not forgetting the wisdom that we have experienced in the night or the darkness. If we are light, then we too extend new opportunities to experience life in the very moment and in the moments to come, amongst those around us who might find themselves where death has cast a shadow or has seemed to have the final word. Verse 15 says, No one hides a torch under a basket. To which I think, of course, this is very practical, right? And that might not surprise you. Those of you who know me know I can be quite a bit of a tightwad, if you will. Um, But my experience in Haiti in areas where there is no electricity, has exposed me to the importance of not squandering something so precious, and yes, that includes the lamp with the oil, right? So how silly it would be, yes, of course, to put a cover of any kind over the top of it. First of all, you could start a fire, and that's bad. (laughs) Second of all, at minimum, it is a complete waste, right, of the lamp oil and the wick to kind of cover it and shield it from other folks. Third, it just might go out and do no good, of course, at all. But I think more to the point here in this text, if it is too controlled or closed off from others, no one else can see it. So yes, you put it on a lampstand. It is meant to be shared. It's not about boasting, it's about giving to all. And dare I say, indiscriminately, light is given to all, right? To whoever is within sight or range. This brings glory not to you, but to God, right? The last part of our text, verses 17 through 20, really begin to confront those patterns or rhythms that we become accustomed to. In addressing Jewish followers already under the Mosaic laws and therefore not the Gentiles, it refers to the law and the prophets, which pattern life for believers of the day. Wisdom fulfills the law and the prophets. Jesus says, I have come to honor them and show everyone their true meaning. In other words, wisdom, the love of God incarnate, is the measure by which the law and the prophetic words are fulfilled. Verse 18, he says, I speak from my heart. That's what the First Nations version says. But it's often translated from the Greek in many other ways. 
and many other versions as this, for truly I tell you. However, that whole phrase, for truly I tell you, or I speak from my heart, in the Greek is actually one word, and it is a word we are familiar with. Does anybody know what that word is? Can I get a amen? amen. It is amen. That is the word, okay? So we're going to come back, actually, to this formula over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to see it again during Lent. This, uh, you have heard it said, but I say to you, is the formula, okay? And I'm really excited about this because the rebellious me has long wanted to preach this, right? And so we're going to get there. Um, it's coming. It's coming. Additionally, uh, the part about not even the smallest thing they have said will fade away, or as translated in the NRSV, not one letter, not one stroke of the letter will fade. These words remind me of John chapter 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. What God has spoken from the beginning, the word that has been, the word that created, it does not fade. It remains true through Christ incarnate. Okay? To sum all of this up for us today, Jesus is sharing the wisdom that sometimes what we know, these patterns, these ways of thinking, the, the ways in which we have been walking that have maybe lost their saltiness or um, have dimmed the light, if you will, what we know is still finding its full meaning or purpose. And we can't find the path that leads to Creator's Good Road if we've been bound, right? Bound even by the law and the prophets or sacred teachings. Bound in ways that don't embody love. The roads that we take, they create patterns or rhythms in our lives, and sometimes we get caught up in the rhythm of these roads, and we've actually missed what is truly there. Sometimes walking the good road sounds contrary to what we've been taught about faith or about God, but wisdom shows the true meaning. So yes, wisdom is about walking the good road, bringing cleansing and healing to all, making room for life that is both experienced and shared. We might be wondering or thinking at this point, that's cool, Melissa, but um, how do we see the good road, right? And I'm going to remind us of verse 2. Jesus took a deep breath, and then he opened his mouth and began to share his wisdom and teach them how to see creator's good road. In our text for today, we see a pattern. Verse 13 says, as you walk the good road with me. And then again in verse 14, as you walk. And then in verse 17, when you hear my words. And so, we take a deep breath. We take one step at a time. Embracing our identity as followers of Jesus. Questioning the patterns and rhythms in our lives that may have caused us to miss the good road. And we allow wisdom to reorient us as we breathe 
and we walk, and we hear. Amen. We're going to go ahead and move into a time where we have conversation. There are questions in your bulletin. Um, and so for those of you on Zoom, we're going to uh, have you uh, talk to one another as well. And in your group, uh, if you would like to go ahead and practice by saying your name and providing a visual description, that would be great um, because that is our practice for the larger setting. Um, there are three questions in your bulletin. Um, I'm going to give us a few minutes in smaller group and then some larger group time. The questions are, what piece of wisdom stands out to you in this text? The second question is, how does this passage speak to your or our identity? And then there's a moment for storytelling. What are the stories of our particular faith community identity that might come to mind as you hear this text or might be remembered by sharing even right now that you want to share amongst your group? when you read this text, all right? So I'm going to encourage you to, uh, to chat. <laughs>